0: This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Morning. Thanks for being with us. Hate to interrupt. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, three more Sundays in this letter that has served us so well. 1 Peter chapter 5, this morning we'll be looking at just two verses, verses 8 and 9. So turn with me if you can, follow along as we look carefully at these verses this morning and trust the Lord to speak to us through His Word. This is God's Word. This is truth. Objective truth that we need. It's a revelation. And I trust the Lord will use it this morning to serve. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Our text is from this closing section of 1 Peter where he's giving final encouragement to all the members of the churches he's writing. This is a call for everyone. It's not just for the pastors that he addressed earlier or the young people everyone in the church, everyone in all these churches, all the members, is being addressed by these two verses. Peter is calling all the members to alertness and resistance. Why? Why everyone? Why this call? Well, he's just mentioned in chapter For the judgment begins with the household of God. So in light of the fact that judgment is coming to God's house first, we want to be watchful because we fear the Lord. Now, he adds, we need to be on the alert because of the reality that we have a great enemy, the devil. And he is no common opponent, as one commentator called it. Peter knows this better than most. Living with joy in Christ in this difficult life takes work. It's a fight. We have an enemy, an adversary, the devil, and he prowls around like a roaring lion. He has an appetite for one thing, faith. He's out to devour your faith and rob you of the joy of faith. I have a friend who likes horror movies. He took me to one called The Conjuring. I do not recommend it. (laughs) Apparently now there are several sequels. They make up The Conjuring Universe franchise, I read. No thanks. I don't like any horror movies. I have all the horror movie I need right there in my mind. <laughs> I've always had to battle fear, so I don't need any help creating kind of terrifying scenarios for my life. The original movie, The Conjuring, was supposed to be about the real-life exploits of Ed and Lorraine Warren. They were a married couple who investigated kind of supernatural events, paranormal events. And in the movie... They get called to help a family who has bought a house with demons in it. Always a negative. Your first hint that there's a problem with this house is their dog won't go inside. The family had five daughters. They discover a cellar that's all boarded up. You're thinking, don't go in there. Of course, they do. Then things start happening. All the clocks stop at the same time in the middle of the night. The dog is found dead. So they call in these demonologists who get permission from the Catholic Church. The Vatican gives them permission to do an exorcism. The scariest part to me was whenever a demon inhabited someone, they got a bruise on their arm. You know, like when I left the movie, I'm looking at my friend like he got any bruises on him. <laughs> Most people who live in America today don't really believe in demons. They don't really believe in the devil. They go to a movie like The Conjuring and they laugh it off. It's just entertainment. But the Bible, our text today, today's text reveals the reality of Satan and demons. Movies like The Conjuring, just for entertainment. People aren't thinking these movies represent reality, but 1 Peter 1 verse 8 is true. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is God's word revealing to us that the devil is real. Not averse to entertain us by scaring us. Peter is instructing us. There really is a devil and he really is your enemy and he is formidable. He is no common opponent. John Piper says this, Most people who live where modern science has shaped everyday life have little awareness of Satan and the demonic forces of the world. Other cultures live with profound and daily awareness of demonic reality. Secular people will attribute this difference largely to the fact that demons are not real and to the belief that more primitive peoples are still in the illusion of pre-scientific explanations of reality. A more biblical explanation for this modern obliviousness to demonic reality is that Satan is by nature a deceiver. And he uses different deceptions to get modern and non-modern cultures to fall in with his designs to get them to do his will. If you aren't aware of Satan this morning, if you don't believe in Satan from a biblical perspective, it's not because you're clever or you're modern, or you're scientific, it's because you're blind. The main point of our text today is you really do have a supernatural foe, an adversary, an enemy that you need to be aware of so that you can resist him firm in your faith. Peter's appeal to be aware of the devil and resist him comes immediately, if you remember, after telling us not to be anxious, So, verse 8 is striking because it's so sudden. One commentator said crisp and incisive. Don't be anxious, but watch out for Satan (laughs) is how it comes to us. Worry is not allowed, but watchfulness is demanded. There's a balance here. Why is it that we need to be watchful? Let's unpack this today. Peter says watchfulness is demanded because, number one, you have an enemy. Number two, your enemy wants to devour your faith. And number three, you must resist him. Number one, the reality is you have an enemy. Your adversary, verse 8, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's a vivid picture of the reality of this enemy, of our enemy. Reality can be pictured by a roaring lion prowling around at night looking for prey to eat. Peter wants us to have a daily awareness of this, of this reality, of this enemy. He wants us to remember we have an adversary. Don't be deceived. Don't go to sleep. Don't forget. Be watchful. You have an enemy who wants to devour you. It's the devil. We learn in Scripture that he appears before God and he makes accusation against us. This is how he got his name. Devil means slanderer. Revelation 12, John says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Look into the future. Who accuses them, this is our enemy, who accuses them day day and night before our God. John calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. Peter calls him your adversary, the devil, which means the slanderer. The devil is your adversary. He always will be. You can never escape this reality. Adversary is the same as the Hebrew word Satan. Satan is the great enemy of God. He's the enemy of all who are God's people. He's your enemy. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, Satan is your adversary. He's a slanderer. He accuses you. He's prowling. He's trying to devour you. He knowingly, deliberately, and continually makes false accusations, charges against God and against his people. It's What he does, it's who he is, it's his thing. Listen to what Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day. John 8, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Tell us what you really think, Jesus. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth. Jesus believes in the devil. He doesn't stand in the truth because there there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Jesus believed in the devil. Peter believes in the devil. In the devil, in John 8, Jesus is describing this adversary of yours. This is reality. He's a slanderer, he's a murderer, he's a liar. He's your opponent in your Christian life. In one verse in Revelation 12, John gives five titles for this enemy. Peter chooses just these two, your adversary, the devil, because he's trying to make a point to his readers, to us. He wants to capture this hostility of the devil to every aspect of your Christian life. Just helps us understand how opposed to us he is. Do you ever get up? you ever feel like it's hard to live the Christian life? Do you ever seem that fighting for joy in Christ is just difficult, hard. Maybe feels impossible sometimes. In light of our text, doesn't it seem like it should feel that way? We have an enemy, we have an opponent, and actually this fight can give you assurance that you're a believer You have an opponent. If there's no fight, I would be worried about the genuineness of your faith. But when there's a war, when you feel like, what is happening? Why is this so hard? Be encouraged. You have an opponent, and he hates what you truly are, a believer. And so he's fighting against you. That's why it's hard. And please know that Christ always leads us in his triumph. Edmund Heiberd, commentator, says, Peter had no illusions concerning the real existence of a personal devil, nor any doubts concerning his vicious character and his villainous deeds. Awareness of the enemy and his methods is essential for victory essential this week and the Lord's drawing our attention to it to succeed as a believer we we need to know this we need to know the reality think about life in the in the fall in this fallen world we live in isn't isn't everything good we want to do opposed you know if you're a homeowner you try to grow grass trees flowers You have to fight weeds, you have to fight insects, you have to fight disease, I have to fight grandchildren. Don't pull the flowers, we're growing these things for a reason. You try to have a vegetable garden, you fight all these these other things, the weeds, the insects, the disease, the grandchildren probably. But you also have to fight animals who are trying to eat the food before you eat it. Ted Tripp was telling us last week that he has an eight-foot fence around his garden to keep the deer out of it. Speaking of parenting, if you're trying to shepherd your child's heart so they serve and honor the Lord, you often have to fight all kinds of opponents, don't you? Doesn't it feel like you're just surrounded by the enemy sometimes? As a parent, you have to fight technology. You have to fight friends. Sometimes you have to fight Extended family members, we always have to fight the world and the culture. If our, in our marriage, if we want to have a marriage relationship, just think, seems like sometimes the whole world's against us. Life in this fallen world is difficult. One of the reasons is we have an enemy. There's no enemy like this enemy, the enemy of our souls. He prowls around like a roaring lion. This this is a description of his constant, fierce, determined activity against you. A a lion isn't dangerous just because it's sneaky. A lion is dangerous because it's strong. The devil is a, a vicious beast. And he's roaring because he's hungry. He's intent on capturing his prey, his food. He prowls. He's restless. He's full of energy. He never rests. He never tires of searching for a victim. In Job chapter 1, we get this picture of reality. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. He just prowls. He's always seeking, standing before God. He just admits how committed he is to destroying the faith of God's people. He's after Job. He's after you. He's seeking someone to devour. When he gets them, he totally destroys their faith that's what he wants to do he wants to kill them spiritually he wants God's peoples to be spiritually dead they're spiritually alive and he wants their faith he wants to devour it what if you're not a Christian this morning in writing to the church in Ephesus Paul pointed out that prior to coming to Christ the people in this church, the members of the church, they were secular people. They were immoral. They weren't godly. And they were actually following Satan, even though they didn't even believe in him. Ephesians chapter 2 You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the devil. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Paul later calls them in chapter 4, deceitful desires. We're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Satan has a strategy. He he wants you to do his will, but think you're just doing what you want to do. These are just your desires. But really, you're, you're deceived. Your desires are deceitful desires. If you aren't a Christian, Satan wants you to be blind to this. He's blinding you to the glory of God all around you and especially to the glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of God in the gospel we've been hearing about all morning. He wants you to be blind to Him and His reality. He wants you to be blind to the good news. The fact is, though, if you're listening to this message and you're not a believer, God's at work in your life. He's the one that can set you free. He's the one this morning that can open the eyes of your heart. Shine the light. And our prayer is that he does that. This is so relevant to our culture. It's modern. It's scientific. It has a non-biblical worldview. Anybody listening to me with this worldview think I'm just a fool. They don't believe in Satan. But according to Paul, they serve him every day through their deceitful desires. It's a different worldview. Just a different way of seeing reality. According to the Bible, God has given Satan remarkable freedom and liberty on this earth to rule this world. In Scripture, he's called the ruler of this world, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air. We learn in the gospel, he even met Jesus in the wilderness and tempted him by offering all the kingdoms of the world. He said this in Luke 4, devil took him up, Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority in their glory, for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Often people think they're just carrying out their, their own desires, but actually, even though they aren't aware of it, and they don't even believe in the devil They're following him. They're doing his will. He holds people in this modern scientific world in his grip in disguise. He's all very happy you don't believe in him. He leads you by this illusion that you're free to serve yourself. In fact, you're in bondage. Peter appeals to us to be watchful also, first of all, because we have an enemy, but also because your enemy attacks your faith. It's the most precious thing you have. We've seen this again and again in 1 Peter. Peter loves faith. Oh, it's precious. And so he wants us to be watchful because we have an enemy, and that's what he's after. He's after our faith. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. That's where the battle is, to end your faith. This is how you're effective in fighting against satanic attacks. Firm faith. This morning has just been faith-building. That's why the gathering of the church is so important. So important to hear Jeff encourage our faith as we take this little piece of bread and drink this little cup of juice. Builds our faith. Peter's original audience were suffering Persecution. And in that context, Satan was trying to devour their faith. This whole book has been about this theme of suffering because they're believers. The requirement for them to succeed for victory is rock solid. He's attacking your faith. And the Lord is saying, resist him. It's encouraging. We're all going to be encouraged by this verse. It just says, resist him. I love that. Encourages us. Don't give in. Don't be afraid. Don't flee. Resist him. Firm confidence in the gospel. Firm confidence in Christ. Don't give up. Even though you're suffering, he, Satan, your enemy, has been defeated. Christ will lead you in his triumph. Resist the devil. We had memorial service for Brendan. We prayed for his family this morning young man that went to be with the Lord last Monday, and his, his dad, John Japp, a wonderful member of our church, did a great job of honoring the Lord and his son, Brendan, yesterday. He shared at the memorial service about Brendan's faith. Many of you observed this as he suffered for four years after his diagnosis with lung cancer, and John talked about Brendan's abiding faith in the, in the midst of incredible suffering. And then he gave some details that many of us didn't know that John knew because he's his dad and he was with him. And of course, Jen knew and the other family members, but many of us didn't know. And John just detailed how difficult, especially the last six months were, and how Brendan's faith was strong, his abiding Faith. How he trusted the Lord as everything this world holds dear was taken from him. It was faith building. And that example, Brendan Japp in our congregation for 20 years and walking through this is a gift from God to encourage our faith. Peter points out, and we'll see in a minute, the brotherhood. We're suffering together. Our enemy attacks our faith. So Peter says, resist him. Firm in your faith. Victory comes from persevering in your faith in the work of Christ on the cross, because on that cross, your enemy was defeated. This is how Paul puts it in Colossians 2. You who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death, that that stood against us, With its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ on the cross. He's a defeated foe, he's your enemy, he's your opponent. He is a strong, he's like a roaring lion, but he is defeated defeated on the cross of Jesus Christ. What destroys him, what causes him to flee is faith in Jesus Christ. So Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith. Listen to how Paul closes the book of Romans, Romans 16. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. He's a defeated foe. He's a defeated enemy. Faith unites us to Christ. It unites us to his victory. He's been raised from the dead. He won the victory over him. Your enemy attacks your faith. Peter says resist him. Stay firm in that faith. A movie I do like is Jungle Book. You remember Shere Khan the tiger that hates Mowgli, the man-cub? And Shere Khan is out to kill him, and all looks lost. Actually, I get scared at this movie a little bit. <laughs> all looks lost when our beloved Baloo the bear goes down. But then lightning strikes, and those wonderful vultures tell tear, tear Mowgli, Fire is the only thing that Old Stripe is afraid of. He gets a stick, lights it on fire, ties it on the tiger's tail, and the tiger just flees in terror. I love moments like that in movies. James 4 says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Stand firm in your faith, and it's like tying... A burning stick on Sher Khan's tail. He just runs. That big, mean tiger just runs. When we stand firm in our faith, when we resist him, we win. We win. why it's so important to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You're not going to win the victory with a counter, with faith in a wrong gospel. In false teaching. So preach the true gospel to yourself every day. It builds your faith and that's where the victory is. Listen, Paul one point of application. Paul described his own commission to ministry this way in Acts 26. He said, the Lord said to him, I'm sending you to open there the Gentiles' eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. This is how he described his ministry. We can describe our ministry like this. That's what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel so that people may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, setting people free from the power of Satan is our calling, even if they don't believe in the demons that are controlling them. Our job is to preach the gospel and see them set free. Sometimes in the New Testament, you see these powerful encounters with demonic forces, and it's like direct confrontation. And they're driven out by faith in Christ's finished work. But there's also a secondary strategy. It's le- it, it isn't less supernatural, but it, it is less dramatic. But it's more common. It's the normal ministry of the church. Here, here's how Paul described it in Second Tim- Timothy chapter 2 The Lord's servant a minister Timothy must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil After being captured by him to do his will. These are people who are in danger even though they aren't foaming at the mouth. They're not in convulsions. They're delivered though by means of this just powerful, everyday, supernatural ministry of God's word. Teaching God's word in the power of his spirit. There's probably going to be times when we are going to have power encounters. More dramatic moments. But just as supernaturally often, it's going to be just teaching. Many of us have been set free. That's what's going on in this ministry. John Piper says, gentle, loving teaching of the truth is the process in which God Himself grants repentance and a knowledge of the truth. Which results in an escape from the captivity of the devil. He, the devil can't abide truth and light. He is by nature a liar and deceiver. He thrives in darkness. He thrives where the truth is not known and not proclaimed. Finally, Peter appeals to us to be watchful because you have to resist the devil. You have to resist the devil. Verse 8 again, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. So we're being called to resist him. Firm in your faith. It's a duty. you got to be watchful, and you got to resist the devil. Don't flee in fear. Resisting, it's a a military metaphor, the word. It's like we're we're like an army and we're fighting a battle. It's something believers do. We fight, we resist. Every day we have a fight. We take a solid stand. There's no getting away. There's no fleeing from the enemy. He's on the border. A few years ago, we we took a mission trip to Ukraine. So I'm always interested in what's going on over there, especially knowing some of the history. So you may have noticed in the news, you know, Russia building up again, I think. You know, a few years ago, there was some dispute. They took some territory. Both used to be a part of the Soviet Union, but now it's Russia, Ukraine. But Russia just, you know, it's like this devouring enemy that just keeps wanting to take over. We can't relate to that. I was just, I was just imagining, what if Alabama didn't just crush us in football? Imagine if they wanted to take some territory. Imagine they wanted the Tennessee River Valley, all of it. Imagine Nick Saban's on the border, not just with a five-star recruit, but with a military build-up. You couldn't get away. You couldn't flee because he's there. In fact, we can't get away. He, he's always there, isn't he? <laughs> He's just there. It's like Ukraine, just Russia. It's not like they can move. They're just there. This enemy is here. The only thing we can do is resist him. But don't be afraid. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when our, our faith is firm and we trust in the finished work of Christ, he defeated this enemy foe an opponent we have where we lose is when we don't fight we don't resist be sober-minded be watchful be self-controlled this 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 word means it's sober be sober be self-controlled so you will endure Self-control. Proverbs says, a wise man keeps himself under control. And this is what our text is calling us to. Our need for self-control is great today, isn't it? We're not exactly good at it. Ed Welch is a psychologist, a biblical counselor. He says this, Solomon must have been an American. He says in Ecclesiastes 2, I I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. He tried what many Americans would try if they had the means. We live in a society that favors the self-indulgent end of the spectrum. As such, we live in particular need of learning the skill of self-control. Among evangelical Christians, Christians who believe the gospel... Self-control is suspect. Our sense is that if change feels like self-effort and hard work, then it's probably legalistic and not animated or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Self-control, of course, can feel like hard work. But given the prevalence of drug and alcohol abuse, internet pornography, bulimia, and a host of other out-of-control experiences, we would be wise to revisit the biblical teaching on self-control. Peter says, be watchful, be sober, be self-controlled so you can endure. Resist the devil. Self-control is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Sin is, is just, Welch says, a reckless consumer. It can be alcoholism, it can be greed, it can be gluttony, it can be lust, it just wants more. I want, I want more. We need self-control for the purpose of Endurance. Peter was in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember his great failure, Jesus warned him, pray and watch. And that's what he's telling us to do today. The main point today is you really do have an enemy. You've got to be aware of him and you've got to resist him. But Peter ends with encouraging us Resist him, verse 9, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. These sufferings, they're common, they're going to happen, they're to be expected. Don't Don't be surprised by this fiery trial you find yourself in. Don't be surprised by the enemy, by the opposition. Be firm in your faith. There's hope here. You've got a brotherhood around us. We have a a gift. We have the memory of Brendan's abiding faith. We have many others in this congregation, even here today, that have been firm in their faith in the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering. And Peter's drawing our attention. We're together in this. The Christian life is not meant to be alone, lived alone. We're not... Meant to live this alone. We're surrounded with one another. We have each other today. We have fellowship. We're going to return the song. We're going to sing. God's given us these, these wonderful songs today. We can sing together as a congregation. We can fight. We can resist and He will flee. Amen. Lord, thank You today for Your grace. Thank you for the Word of God, Lord. Thanks for the revelation of truth. Thanks, Lord. We need this today. We can be called fools by the culture around us that doesn't believe. But Father, we put our trust in your Word this morning. We pray for your help. I pray for this congregation, Lord, this morning. I pray that they would be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.